Are they calling these Gemini killings in the papers? You must get them to do that, Lieutenant. It's important. The Gemini is dead. No, I am not! I'm alive! I go on! I breathe! Look at me! Look at me! And tell me what you see. I see a man who looks like Damien Karras. If you looked with the eyes of faith, you'd see me. What the hell are you talking about? Blindness. Tell the press that I am a Gemini lieutenant or I will punish you. Punish me? Yes. What are you talking about? Do you dance? What do you mean? Hey everybody, welcome back to another Halloween episode. Um, I keep saying that, you know, for this month, but technically pretty much every podcast we do is a Halloween one because it's always a scary movie of some sort. Uh, but this actually is a Halloween episode. Uh, we're going to talk about a classic today. Not like that classic piece of shit we just talked about, <laughs> but a good classic. And, well, I remember seeing The Exorcist Three Legion in 1989, 1990. And uh, excited to go see it. And I remember seeing it in the theater and sitting there. And there's a scene. We all know about it. The mm-hmm. nurse scene. And I remember it terrifying, tearing the fire in the hell out of me in the theater. And I remember the people's reaction in the theater. To this day, it's still one of the best actual jump scares you get in a film. It is the, if not, if it's not the best yeah. jump scare. Yeah. Uh, so... It's nice to go back to this one, and when it came out, it made us money, but faded quickly. Didn't get, just kind of came and went, I guess you can say, and it's unfortunate that it didn't get more of a larger audience. Now it's become, like most horror films, a cult classic. Yes. Uh, It's grown over the years, over the last 30 odd years. It's grown in respect and popularity, and rightly so. Yeah, no, spot on. Uh, Peter Blatty, all the way till his dying day, was has been trying to get the studio to release the uncut stuff, and until sadly his passing, they decided to do so. Unfortunately, the studio disrespected it by just pe- peppering it in to the to the director's cut. I guess you can call it. That, so that, that's not you, quite true. Um, I believe the studio were still. Being bastards, and uh, I right. This is what I've read: the footage, the original footage that um, Blatty shot that he wanted in his original film, which which just had Brad Dorf in the role of you know the Gemini killer, Patient X, no Jason Miller. That footage, all that remained of it, um, was videotaped footage. That's all they have. Um, it, it appears that the studio fucking destroyed the original filmed footage. And it was actually a fan company, obviously with a certain blessings. Uh, I think they were called Shout Factory, who basically all they had was this videotape footage, and they actually put together this um, director's cut. And they shouldn't have. South Factory should know better. They're the ones who do the exact same thing um, with uh, My Bloody Valentine. And it looks like shit. The thing is, yeah, it, the it, thing it, is... It, it destroys... 
like the film. You just sit there and you watch it, and all of a sudden you see this B grade video, you know, like a, like a bootleg uh, appearing onto the onto the film, and, and the and the and it, it doesn't add anything to the film. No, I th- well, no, no, it, it changes it. Well, it changes the film completely, the context of the film, and um, you know, pretty much the, the storyline. Um, I think it is um, while. Um, you do sort of have to sort of adjust to the sort of jump to this VHS footage of the video footage. I think it, uh, that that cut, um, that particular director's cut, is more one for the Legion purists and the hardcore fans. I think it was a good idea what they did or what's currently doing the rounds. Uh, they released on DVD both film both versions together. I think that was a sensible thing to do. Whereas you have the sort of studio cut. Which, by the way, the studio were fucking bang out of order with William Peter Blatty. They were just, you know, looking to squeeze more money out of the Exorcist brand. Um, and I'm totally in the Blatty camp. Um, but I think it was definitely a sensible idea for them to release both cuts on the disc together, which is, I think, um, currently um, released on DVD. Either way, um, we'll get into the difference between the cut and the director's cut. I watched the director's cut not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I refuse to watch it again because, again, I won't. It's disgraceful. Well, it, it's more. Well, we'll, we'll, no, well, let me finish. We'll discuss it. We'll discuss it. I, you said this before. You're okay with just taking an artist's work and splashing it in. I mean, this is disgraceful. It's embarrassing. But it's more closer I can't, to I can't even take, I, can't, I, can't even, I can't even take it seriously. I mean, I mean it, this, the movie's fine without it. I understand there's purists out there who want to watch the director's cut, but guys don't. It's not. It just. It's. We'll get into it. We'll, we'll, you make the decision whether Trevor will add to what's on the director's cut more than I will because I won't watch it again. Um, and maybe let you know people speak for themselves. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but Trevor's a big stupid face. <laughs> no, well, I mean the director's cut. As imperfect as the foot, a lot of the footage that's been added is, to say the least, um, it is the closest to Blatty's original vision for it, and closest to the novel, um, which I've read a couple of times. Um, so, for that, it deserves its respect for their efforts to fully realise Blatty's true vision. Blatty was shafted basically, um, uh, with the the theatrical cut, basically. Blatty originally wanted it to be what became this director's cut, um, much closer to his novel. Um, but the basically studio, and he just wanted to call it Legion. The studio basically then said, well, uh, we want to call this Exorcist 3 um, because basically they want to make money out of the Exorcist name. And also... Uh, but they're right. No, 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 they're, well, no it's pure corporate greed. And well, no, it's not. Well, it fucking is. They're putting <laughs> 40 million into a film. Yeah. They're not going to call a movie Legion. They, I can see. Well, should respect. The I can see call it Exorcist without the three, and then Legion. It's bloody. But um, they, the studio baby. has all the right in the world to say they want to call this the Exorcist, and they have, and I agree with that one hundred percent. Well, I don't. Um, but anyway, uh, that's beside the point. But um, it basically, um, what then happened? They looked over the footage that had been shot, and they said, "There's no Exorcist in here." Oh, sorry, there's no exorcism in here. Um, or even an exorcist character. So that was then the addition of Father Morning and the tagged on exorcism at the end of the, the theatrical cut. Also, um, they ma- then made him rehire Jason Miller. And the director's cut, as you know, you've seen it. Um, yeah. Actually, Brad Dorff is playing uh, Father Karras. Very briefly. Yeah, but I, I like the Karras-Dorff 
thing. But let's let's that, that dive into it. Well, you know, we'll, we'll 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 dive into it. Yeah. Um, we've been arguing about this for eight minutes, and now the people <laughs> are just like, Jesus Christ! Shut can up! We have, can we have a can we have, can we have a director's cut of this one? <laughs> Fucking hell! All right, so we and Peter Badley, yes, um, was not going to direct this originally. It was going to my boy Carpenter, John Carpenter, who we'd love to hear and see about and mm-hmm. chat about. Um, but Carpenter be the professional he was by having conversations with uh, William Blatty. Carpenter walked away like the professional and said, there's no way I'm directing this because he should be directing it because he knows it's his baby yeah. and that's the way it should be. And I respect that. Mm-hmm. Though Carpenter would have had a good vision on this, I think. Would have been interesting. Yeah. Especially with like Prince of Darkness mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. He was kind of doing this kind of stuff. Then you do In the Mouth of Madness a couple of years later. Yeah. Uh, which we'll obviously be getting to. No, there was no there was no bad feelings between the two. And it was very much a respectful sort of thing and decision. And yeah, it was all good between the two of them from what I've read. Yep. Now, when you're doing a sequel, I always say, and I said this quite a few times in the podcast, and it seems to be sticking. And um, I'm not going to brag about it. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about Friday. I can't remember being Friday Thirteenth. Friday Thirteenth one and two, and we talked about how a and we talked with Prey and Predator. How a good sequel one and two can blend well together. You know, mm-hmm. you can watch them back to back and almost be one film. Mm-hmm. That's a good sequel. Yeah. We didn't get that with The Exorcist 2. <laughs> the Exorcist the 2 is one of the worst films ever made, and that's no exaggeration. It is one of the worst films ever made. It's fucking horrendous, and it's an insult to the original, and bloody, and freaking. So if, you, if you throw that one out, and you make this The Exorcist 2, mm-hmm. you would have a very competent sequel. I agree. It's This is the true sequel to The Exorcist. And... I have never in my life, and and this is another big selling point for this. The two leads from the original, Lieutenant Kinderman, yeah, and uh, Father um, Dyer, mm-hmm. uh, one played by Lee Cobb. Sally passed away just after filming of The Exorcist, yes. and Father Dyer was played by William O'Malley, who's actually a real life That's priest. Right. Yes, they obviously did not return for this one. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen such fucking great casting to replace Lee Cobb with George C. Scott and Ed Flanders from Father Dyer. Yeah. You could actually see them a couple years, 15 years later, because this is when this takes place, 15 years later, as these, as older versions of those actors. Oh, it's because they're portrayed by two complete professional actors and, you know, great actors, George C. Scott and Ed Flanders. And um, the two of them have a great chemistry together. And I know they're only in it together, um, spoiler alert, for the first act. But they are fucking brilliant together. And they're a brilliant um, sort of, like, sort of grumpy old man comedy double act. You know, sort of bouncing yeah. off each other. Yeah. Because, and it picks up nicely because they're going to see each other. They're going to go see It's a Wonderful Life. Yes. It's the one year and another one year tagged on to the anniversary of what happened back in you know in the seventies. Father Harris, the original story. So the and the last one, uh, the first Exorcist ended with them wanting to go to a movie. Yes. So this is where this one kind of starts mm-hmm. off, and I like that perfect little yeah, you know yeah. passing the passing the torch. Yeah. 
Let's talk about the opening scene. The opening scene it obviously would take place in Georgetown. Georgetown is where the first. Now let me let's just dive. The um before we get into it, and we're gonna probably just be jumping all over the place. Cool. We have Father Karis. Okay, the story, the version I'm seeing. Yes. Father Karis, we all know, dies at the end of the steps. Yes. But during this transition, the Gemini killer yes. was being executed. At the same time, yes. At the same time. Yes. So Devil Man goes to the Gemini Man, puts himself into Karis. Yes. But Karis is so brain damaged, mm-hmm. he's now in an institution for 15 years, healing. And as he's healing, the Gemini killer is coming forth. Is that correct? Yes. It's basically revenge for Karis um, getting rid of the demon Pazuzu from Reagan in the original. So it's basically Satan, presumably Satan, uh, the devil, okay. whatever, has said, um, um, I basically, I'm out for vengeance here. So as a bit of a sort of cruel joke, um, the Gemini killer um, is going, his soul, for want of a better um, word, um, is going to be put into Karis's body. And um, now remember as well, Karis is also still possessed by Pazuzu. So that is where the title Legion comes from. It's also actually a reference to a verse in the Bible where um, there is a man possessed by multiple demons and um, um, he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. I believe it's the man that Jesus then um, dispels the demons from him and you know puts them into a, a herd of swine and they run down the hill and drown. They, they, they go into like a river or something. So it's basically um, Karis's body. Although there, there is a certain sort of element of Karis still there, you know, like there's buried deep within, is yeah. possessed by multiple demons. That's where the, the title Legion comes from. But what I don't get, and this could be a plot hole, so it's, it's not Pazuzu anymore. This no, is no, Pazuzu's in there as well. And the Gemini Killer. There's, okay. There's more than one sort of... Split personality going on here. Yeah, there's, okay. there's more than one in there. All right, so this man was found by the river. Yes. How did they not know that was Karis? They did know it was Karis. Karis, why was Kinderman told about this? Karis, um, there was um, basically it's explained more in the book and also the director's cut. What happened was Karis was was buried. Um, he was basically taken um, to to the morgue and stuff like this here, um, getting ready for a proper burial. It was around this point that the um, the, the devil Satan or whatever then decided to let the Gemini killer plus what remained of Pazuzu within Karis, um, to come to the front. Karis's body, possessed by um, the Gemini killer and uh, Pazuzu, jumps out of his coffin. Um, they basically then, um, the old priest that was minding the coffin, who was like 81 or whatever, dies of fright um, after seeing, you know, Karis jump out of a coffin. They, and I know it's, this is convoluted, I must admit. You know, as much as I love this, and it is convoluted. I actually rather see this. This yeah. sounds like all right. Right. Then, um, basically, um, the old priest's body um, 
the possessed Karis by multiple you know demons entities. Um, then instead of his own body in the coffin, he throws the older priest who was minding the his body in, in the morgue into his coffin. So instead of Karis being buried, it was actually the older priest. Um, so it was Karis was then walking about disorientated, you know, all this sort of thing, found by the river, um, and he was then brought into the catatonic ward in the hospital. And that's where he remained for 15 years, completely catatonic, until he started to come around. Uh, okay. Brad Dorif's it, version, you know, the, the Gemini killer, um, sort of explains this. How, you know, it required great effort. You know, um, yes, it's, it's a, it is it is a little convoluted. But, you know, as much as I love this, you know, the, the book and film. But, yeah, it does make sense. Father, um, uh, I do love... Um, dire sense of humor yeah when he's talking well, to the head priesty guy yeah and he goes did you really say that to the, our benefactor yeah jesus loves you but everyone else thinks you're an asshole <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yeah. a good one and he talks about the little um the kids being little um lemon drop junky freaks <laughs> yeah if it's not the pot yeah. it's the smell of the lemons yeah um yeah just just good sense of humor and uh and Kinnaman tells a story about the carp in the in, in the uh, yes. bathtub yeah uh, it just goes to show the good chemistry that these two had. I'm pretty right um, as well. Yeah, it is. But it's it's it. Yeah, it's not. And what you have to remember, cheesy, it's not silly. It's no, just no. See, um, Bloody's background is not actually in horror; it's in comedy writing. So it was. Oh, okay. Did not know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was a comedy writer. Wasn't wasn't the um, William O'Malley? What did he do? Stage plays? Did comedy? I think uh, I know he was like a, a real life priest. Um, well, you know, I know he's in the priesthood, but I think he does stage plays for the church or something like that. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. I believe he was brought on board for the original film as um, originally an advisor. Um, you know, um, to do with you know the Roman Catholicism. Um, but he was then you know got the role of Father Dar, and he, he's he's effective in it. But in this, I think Bloody was looking some more someone with a bit more sort of dramatic weight if you know what I mean yeah so as Kidman is investigating this murder of this boy he's not really let you know he's not really telling the audience much yet mm-hmm. but he does say that the Gemini killer is dead of mm-hmm. course he's dead we all know that but this but this murder has the same MO mm-hmm. and, and it's really disturbed him and George C. Scott is brilliant at selling the horror disturbed and um, sort of beaten down he is after three years of basically um, you know investigating these horrific you know pure evil cases and yeah it's brilliantly portrayed by Scott you know so I like the fact that the the Gemini killer Father Karras and Pazu (laughs) yeah they all they take over older people yes and to do their, you know, their evil deeds because yeah. clearly no one's going to accuse them of doing it. Yeah. So it's a nice little way of playing it. Yes. And do you notice that nothing is really graphic in this film? Oh, no, it's all suggested. It's all suggested. Yes. Um, they kind of kept that, kept it's that at bay. There's some, there's some stuff with the exorcism at the end. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of silly. Well, that was tacked on anyway. Um, but mm. when. You, and so it, it did seem tack on because you got a guy. Um, it was what's he was the uh, father warning was he father morning, 
played by uh, Nicole Williamson, who's kind the of a Scottish get. Actor. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of a get. So yeah. he did seem kind of peppered in. Yeah. Oh, oh, it is. It's shoehorned in big time. Yeah. Because um, he's so not in the that, original source material, or even Blatty's uh, original cut of the film. So when he's walking around the hospital, um, he goes. He goes to visit his buddy. But by the way, just, there's no. another priest that's been killed. By the way. Oh yeah, that was the and old the lady. Confessional priest. In. Yeah, yeah. She she kills the priest. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he goes to the hospital to see Dyer, who said he's he's just you know having you know mm-hmm. panic attacks whatever. Uh, he ends up getting it. Yes. And his blood's completely drained next to him. It was just a great scene. Oh yeah. And and when he pulls, it's George C. Scott's performance in this part where he he's looking at. The fingers. We're wondering why he's doing that, and then he'll explain that soon. And then he pulls the uh, the covers over, and he sees his buddy. Yeah, and he goes, "Oh, you can see it in his face." George, he's uh, got here portraying you know grief and shock and yeah. all of those reactions. But also, I would like to say the supporting actors of you know the detectives. Um, they they're brilliant in it as well. But George Scott, it's just it's superb acting. Yeah, the acting all all across the board is quite solid. Yeah. When he sees his friend dead mm-hmm. in the hospital, and then he starts to investigate within the hospital. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice little scene where we're introduced to the late um, Mr. Walking Dead. He was great in The Walking Dead himself. Uh, Dr. Temple, played by Scott yes. Wilson. Yes, He's walking around with him giving kind of like the tour. Yes. And he then he goes to the... You know, the Looney Bin Ward. I probably can't say that these days, but I'm fucking saying it anyway. Yeah. So he goes the in. The Ward, he, it's called. Yeah, so he explains to him how it works, meaning there's no way they can get in or out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he brings there, and he hears, all he hears is simple, you know. Bill. Kinderman. He hears somebody call his name. Yeah. And that's where things start to develop, where Karis might be still alive. Yes. Also, as well, I must say, it's very disturbing when they pull away um, the sort of blanket, for the sort of sheet that is protecting what the killer has written on the wall after killing Father Dare. It's a yeah, wonderful yeah. life in, his own, in, in the blood with two L's. Yeah. With two L's, which is the way the Gemini signed his letters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they just saw the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a little bit of a connection there. Yeah. I just left that out. I didn't want people to know. I, you know, didn't want to spoil everything for him. God, Trevor. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. I listen, I'm just going to be so upset. It'll be the hardcore fans watching it anyway. When he leaves, after he leaves the hospital, after he sees, no, it's Dyer's death, you see that little, when he's uh, walking, into the, I like the little, he's walking into the elevator and he doesn't know the head's missing. Yes. Of yeah. the statue. I actually, that, that actually see that um, part uh, for someone who's supposed to be a seasoned um, detective who doesn't miss a trick. That's jarred a little for me. Somebody like Kinderman would notice that straight away. Or should have, anyway. Well, I think his friend's in the hospital. It's a distraction at this point. Mm, mm. She, he's, he's a caring individual. Jesus, yeah. Trevor. I mean, he was distracted, to be fair, <laughs> but someone like Kinderman should have noticed that straight away. I mean, the fucking audience noticed it, but yes, of course, obviously it's... Well, yeah, the, well, it zooms right in. It yeah. stops right there. <laughs> I mean, but Ken, I, mean Tim, I don't think... Kinderman should have noticed it, it, but I, I'll, let, I'll, let, I'll let him and Blatty off the hook this time, because it works, as I say. Before, and before Kinderman got it, did you see that, that, that... This is the worst scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. The Kinderman dream. 
when he's in I heaven. It. It's because oh, it's, it's horrible. No, no, it's surreal and it's sort of it, it's you know because dreams no. are, but not oh. nonsensical anyway. Did you see? Did you know Samuel L. Jackson on it? Yeah, I saw Samuel Jackson. You see all these other actors. Fabio, that, that Patrick Ewing, Fabio. This was stupid. Yeah, it took me out. It took me out. Uh, the surreal. Um, no, no, it's quite creepy, but as well. Because, no, it's not. No, this is whenever he finds out. It's actually before he finds out that um, Father Dyer is dead. Yeah, he dreams yeah. about it because you see Father Dyer um, with the stitches on his neck, and he and it's referenced later on. It sort of makes sense in the context of the story. Uh, maybe having Fabio as a fucking angel was maybe not the best of ideas, but <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no, it's, it's the creepy surrealism of it, and um, within the context of the story, it, it does work for me. I get what you're saying. Because uh, it is, um, you know, it's sort of it, it, it's differing in tone from the entire rest of the film, but yeah, I, I, it does work for me. A little red herring, because you, you have this horror, creepy looking actress, but uh, Nurse Allert, Allerton, yes, she's the one who's kind of walked. She walked the one lady to the church who killed the man. Yes, so I always thought she had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like she was like you know devil's hen- you know henchman or yeah. devil's little like helper Billy Whitelaw and the Omen type thing you know the nanny yeah type thing. yeah exactly yeah. she had that look yeah um as like the nanny mm-hmm. in the Omen mm-hmm. but no it turned out she's just weird she's such a bitch uh, do you use her yeah I know yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah <laughs> when Kenneth's walking around and you see the fucking lady walking the walls yeah oh brilliant <laughs> back in the ceiling. That was so cool. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking extremely fucking. Um, you know the imagery. You know it's it's very fucking disturbing. Because we're we're jumping ahead a bit, like because that's way later on. Um, but I don't know. It's no big deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, so many sort of iconic and deeply, deeply unsettling, you know, scenes and imagery within this film overall, especially the stuff with the old people. But there's 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 a, there's a slight dark. Um, no sort of droll humor in there as well, which I really enjoy. When that annoying fucking hospital administrator would not shut up when he's trying to do an investigation, mm-hmm. and he needs to oh, shut yes. up. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> so finally, Kitterman loses it. Mm-hmm. Finally loses it. And he says to them, let me tell you a story. The best scene in the film kind of summed everything up. Yeah. He's talking about the Gemini killer. He had... He would cut off um, the middle yes. and the left hand, the middle finger on the left hand, and then he would carve up the Gemini sign mm-hmm. in the back. Yeah, we we deliberately released that to get so we get rid of the copycats. Oh, not yes. the copycats, the people who wanted to take credit yeah. for being the Gemini, the head kisses. Yeah, yes, but he says in actual, he cut the middle finger on the on the uh, the, on the right finger. hand. Yeah, on the middle finger. No, I think it was the index finger. In reality, I think it was the middle finger. Oh, double check. Here we go again. <laughs> he would, uh, yeah, he cut it on the other hand. Yes, and then he would, um, in the palm of the hand, yeah. would carve the picture of the Gemini mm-hmm. in the palm of the hand. Yes, that's what he actually did. And he explains that's exactly how my body, my my body, my body. <laughs> My buddy's body was found. Yeah. So there was all. They always mystery. killed um, the Gemini killer. Always killed um, someone whose name begins with K. Yes. And but he's like, well, 
father died, that doesn't make any sense. Well, his middle name is Kevin. Yeah. Which is kind of a loophole. I mean, that's yeah, like, well, yeah, Kevin. That's a middle name. That's not really <laughs> a really the first name. <laughs> it works. It works. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that might right. Yeah. Yes. He cut the finger off the left hand, but it's actually the right. Yes. And he didn't carve anything into their back. It was on he, the like the the palm of their hand. Palm of the hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The sign of the Gemini. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. There we go. I got that right. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, man, who the fuck's doing this? Yes. It's kind of a good little murder mystery, in all fairness. Well, this is I very mean, much a sort of, although what's, it is horror, it's also quite um, police procedural sort of thriller detective um, film as well. Oh, film noir, arguably, too, you know? There's definitely noir elements. So why is Dr. Temple... Yeah. It was all helpful, nice guy, smoking yes. a lot, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, just as an aside, I love how you, um, <laughs> they're all smoking in the hospital. Like Father uh, Father Dyer, and also, the fucking doctor smokes. <laughs> and that's just that's just so cool <laughs> to see yeah. that again. Yeah. That's the way it was. Yeah. Bring um, back smoking doctors. <laughs> why is Dr. Temple nervous as hell now all of a sudden? His, his, his office looks like some kind of weird altar. Yeah. He's smoking like... He ends up taking his own life, yes. supposedly. What happened to him all of a sudden? He's being blackmailed by um, the Gemini killer, Patient X, you know, Father Well, Cara. he said something in passing, but what's he say? I didn't catch it. In what way? In what scene? When he's finally having full conversations with Father Karras slash Pazoo... Pass. Oh yes, yes. Plus. He says, um, uh, you know, he says that that was um, uh, um, suicide. The Brad Dwarf um, character says, oh, oh, by the way, that was um, nothing to do with me. Um, he was a weak. He was weak. That was a suicide. He was an idiot, basically. So he went from his pretty stable doctor to killing himself. Yes. Well, to be fair, if fucking all of a sudden Satan. And, you know, all these demons were fucking threatening you and blackmailing you. That would fucking fuck, fuck your shit up. Like, <laughs> it, they were blackmailing him? Yes, to, to assist. He was he was getting the old people for, or he was assisting in some way, the, um, the, the killings. How? When? How, well, it's, um, it's not, you know, they don't go into the, the full detail. But he basically was helping the, he was being forced to help the Gemini killer. I didn't catch that. That's at why, all. and he couldn't live with himself, and that's why he was such a nervous wreck and stuff. Um, he's being he's basically being blackmailed by Satan, um, and um, he couldn't deal with it, so that's why he committed suicide. Um, and then later on, then the Brad Dorf character, Patient X, says, um, "Oh, by the way, he's not one of my victims. He was just an idiot. That was suicide, or words to that effect." All right. All right. I think that that was kind of, huh? Yeah, no, no, it makes makes sense. So it does. All right. So the conversation between it's pretty much between Brad Dorf at this point, yeah. and Kinderman. It's, Brad Dorf so good in this. He I love is Brad fucking Dorf. brilliant. He's so creepy. Yeah. Um, and the dialogue that's written for the two of them uh, by by, by Blatty is just it's sublime and yeah, so it's, believable. It, it is. It's just, 
his whole mannerisms yeah. and it's just he Brad Dorf has a way to raise his voice yes. without raising his voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's completely believable as this absolutely deranged serial killer. You know, pure twisted evil. So he is he's yeah. well he's a brilliant actor anyway. You know, yeah, no, you know? It, 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 it's a pretty fun dialogue. Yeah. Good banter between them. You think it'd be, oh god, here we go. Uh-huh. We want more killing, but we but we we don't want to see two these two talking. But actually, the, the conversations are more intense than the actual acts of violence themselves. Oh, this yeah, absolutely. And this is the the heart of the film. This is the real sort of core of the film. These two performances and these two guys, you know, bouncing off each other. This is you know the real meat on the bone. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's, so after some conversations happen, and Kinnaman is, you know, trying to find his bearings. Yes. Come to a quiet, long hallway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was in the theater. I was a wee lad. Not wee lad. I was nineteen, I think. But I was a. Uh, we we're sitting in there, and you got this nurse. Just going in and out of rooms, helping with the patient. There's a big clue yeah. there. Whenever you, because yeah. we first find out her name here, Nurse Keating, with a K. Yeah. Um. You go. You go. She goes to room to room. A couple jump scares with one of the patients. It's mm-hmm. all quiet. You see the cop coming in and out, coming in and out. Then coming in and out, coming in and out, and then the cop finally just leaves. And the minute he leaves, just for a half a second. The music, screeching music, comes comes on, and we see this figure wearing this long nurse's uh, what is it? It's, what do you call it? Creepy outfits. Was has It's basically wore. a cloak. Yeah, but it's like, a, is it, was it not like a sort of nuns, like Sisters of Mercy type nun type, um, you know, nurse outfit? Uh, just like yeah, just like something from fucking Silent Hill. Yeah, and uh, the big and then obviously with those the big, big shears, cutting shears. Yeah. And just jumps into the room where she's at, and then you cut to her body being uh, yeah. bagged and tagged. It's it it's. It, I mean, Hitchcock will be proud. This is a master class in um, tension. You know, there's the fake jumps. There's the fake jump scares. There's at least two fake jump scares, and then the payoff is just. I remember, you know, and it still works. I've seen this multiple times as film overall in this scene, but it still works. Yeah, you can't. You can never. You can't remember the exact second when it happens. Yeah, it's kind of trying to pick the, what star is going to turn into the Enterprise. Yeah, <laughs> he just never can seem to figure it out. It's brilliant. Uh, it's, it's it scared the absolute shit out of me when I first watched. I first watched this on video when it was originally released in video um, about thirty odd years ago, and I remember at the time it scared the shit out of me, and it still has a par today. Yeah, it's it still holds up. Watched it uh, again this morning, and it was just was like, <laughs> and then there it is. Yeah, uh, just a wonderful scene. Definitely one of my favorite jump scares of all. And then there's time. the cut to the statue again. Yeah, cut to the statue, the, the decapitated statue. Yeah, uh, just good stuff. Just so good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm trying to think of timeline here. Yeah. So when the Gemini killer was killed 15 years ago, at the same time he's being executed, he jumps into Karis' body. Yes. Thanks to the devil. And Pazuzu's in there going, hey, buddy, help me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's... He's possessed by multiple entities. There's a couple times when you see Karis talking, you know it's Karis. Yeah. Now, for our sake, they're just telling it. He's probably seeing Karis this whole time. But for our sake, we're seeing yes. Gemini, who's Brad Dorif. 
and we're seeing uh, Karis as Karis. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple scenes where Karis is talking really creepy and ugly. Mm-hmm. That must be Pazuzu talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. And even um, at the end with the yellow eyes, I think that's, you know, um, basically the Pazuzu sort of entity is, is, is to the forefront. However, um, in the director's cut, um, Brad Dorif is playing... There's no Jason Miller. It's basically Brad Dorif. But also... You know, in the restaurant scene at the beginning with um, Father Dyer and Kinderman, they look at an old photo of um, what do you call of Father Karras, and it's played by Brad Dorif. Is yep. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. In the in the book? No, in the director's cut of the film. Oh, that would be silly. Well, it sort of does jar a little, but it does make sense and for content. I could see what. It makes more sense in in the sort of oh, context. Oh, they were trying to show oh, Karis is a younger Karis. Yes, and this is an older Karis, which yes. we we know as, as older Karis. Yes, uh-huh. ah, that would be silly. Well, in the well, they've already replaced like the two main leads. Um, you know, Father Dyer and um, Kinderman with you know George C. Scott and the Ed Landers. Um, but you know, it, it's sort of in the context of Bloody's original vision. It makes sense. No, I think you keep Karis as Karis because Karis was. Even though you, you had Kinderman and Dyer in the original one, yeah, it was pretty much a Karis vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, because we talked about well, the Exorcist on the yes, podcast yes, here. So I was going to say, and I was talked. I talked to you about how the Karis character to me is the most depressing character in film history. Yes, but he's also um, the hero of the, of the Exorcist, and he's the hero. But he's the hero exactly. But so is Max von Sydow. The same, same. Both those guys. No, for um, me, like the real sort of leading man, for want of a better phrasing, quote marks, of um, the original Exorcist film, um, is Karis, play, as played by Jason Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as I mentioned too. Yes. For you fans of the Last Boys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. He's the father Jason, of Jason, yeah. Jason Patrick. Correct. Yeah. And I didn't know that until recent years. You know. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Well, yeah, I trained. Oh, this is the scene where we got the lady climbing all over the ceiling. Brilliant. But did you catch? I do think, and I don't want to hear it's in the book because it's not. This is no way. This is in the book. So, when Gemini man's Gemini guy Brad Dorf's getting all tired, yes, he goes leak me to the press, leak me to the press, yes. tell the press about me. You saw a ass, blah blah blah. Yeah, and he falls asleep mm-hmm. and. Karis, uh, then Kinderman says something to him, whatever, and then he goes, it's all child's play, Lieutenant. Uh, yeah, uh, and, yeah. And then it cuts to a little boy with red curly hair. Yeah. And I was like, come on, that's Chucky. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. You know, it, it's obviously, now, to be honest, I have, as I said, I haven't read the book in about 10 years, so I, I really can't remember. But um, I, I think that's just a reference to Brad Dorif, um voicing Chucky. Yeah, that was awesome. Child's yeah. play, Lieutenant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Falls asleep, and we cut to a boy with red hair. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, and then the, um, yeah, the weak head. The, the weak head looks like a young fucking Ronald McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. With that spaghetti red hair. Yeah, yeah. 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 But then pretty... the, the, there is an, an, uh, what is ultimately the sort of, you know, part of the, the, the sort of finale um, is deeply intense um the yeah when when he when he's going to his wife yeah yeah but, but as as a possessed old woman and the actress the older actress who plays um mm-hmm. basically who's possessed by the gemini killer um she is extremely creepy and this is such an intense scene she was brilliant in creep show 
Oh, she's a brilliant actress. I can't remember her name. She was a name. creep show. Uh, Linda LeFleur? No. Yeah. I can't remember her name, but she was the she um, was the uh, the drunken aunt. Yeah, in Creepshow. She's a bitch, and she gets her hair cut off. <laughs> yeah. No. And creep. And no. Creepshow is she not the one? Um, no, she's the one at the grave. Right, in the first story. Yes. Yeah, it's um like and her and her like hair ends up on a like a fucking no no cake. no 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 she just gets choked right when it, when uh, the father comes from back from the grave right well, and then. Uh, so when he finds out, Julie, his wife, yes, that the nurse, that the killer, mm-hmm. uh, is a nurse, and she's going well, pretending to be a nurse, yes, and she's going to the the house, Kidmer's house. So it's a nice little trick when he's calling. I gotta call my wife. He calls, yes, and then the phone rings and she picks it up and she's like, oh, okay, oh that 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 was yes. uh, blah blah. He's um. He's sending a nurse over to bring some mm-hmm. stuff over, and at the same time he's trying to get through, and his phone line's busy. Yeah, that was a nice uh, yeah. little. Can I just say as well that also makes sense because the possessed Karis patient X, whatever you want to call the character, you know, Legion, um, is basically, um, and this harks back to the original novel as well with the possessed Regan. They are actually really good at um, doing imitations, um, and in the director's cut, you see Brad Dourif's character. Doing imitations of cows, um, you know, lowing like a cow, and also a train and stuff like that. But in the original book, they don't really do it as much in the original film. Um, in the original The Exorcist, one of the th- the, the things with Reagan that's basically heavily suggesting she's possessed is she's just doing all these very disturbing and horrific impressions of animals and stuff. So yeah, it, it totally ties in with the the rest of the the lore. You know, um, this killer doing the impression of basically kinderman <laughs> to his wife oh okay yeah it's nice it's a nice little scene mm-hmm. especially when he gets there mm-hmm. and everything's calm mm-hmm. he's like oh what's going on what are you oh, oh there's yeah. the old mother-in-law <laughs> and then she's like oh the mussy's hilarious yeah uh, <laughs> so she's staying for dinner like, or what <laughs> yeah they're like this nurse but she hasn't said anything since she came here and he's like stay back everyone and uh-huh. she takes out the Sears. He goes, I oh, want... And she's and, and she got a scene. demon voice. He yeah. goes, I just wanted you to see this. Yeah. yeah. And she takes out the big Sears. Catatonics and, are so easy to possess. Yeah. And when when the daughter gets pulled away oh. as the Sears are closing on her neck, yeah. that was intense. Yeah. Oh, brilliant scene. That was very good. That's the real finale for me. Not the silly tagged on. Yeah. I'd rather have gotten rid of this whole exorcism. Well... Um, I think the peppered in a good actor, unfortunately mm-hmm. wasted. Um, him sticking to the ceiling was stupid. Yeah, and, and him surviving off. with the cross and his yeah. body's all mangled, mangled. Yeah, it was just stupid. Um, in the original it, what, book and also in the director's cut, um, basically Kinderman just goes in. Um, he's had enough. He's, he's, he's furious. And he just goes in and shoots fucking Brad Dorf in the face. That's what I'd rather have seen. Yeah, but I wanted a moment. Where he goes in there mm-hmm. and he goes, he'll say something like, "You're not, you weren't successful. Yeah. My family's just fine," and really piss him off. Yeah, to get Karis to come out, mm-hmm. and then Karis going now and then shoots yes. him. Yes, mm-hmm. that would have been a better. This whole exorcism thing was just an homage Pointless. to the original. It wasn't even a hom- no, homage. It, it was to basically tag an exorcism on, so they could use the title Exorcist Three, the word exorcist in in the title. It I was, think they could have still called this exorcist because you did have Father Karras, who they, was an exorcist. They should so have I just called it Legion. Played. No, 
you would lost money. They can't do that. Yes, I know that there, but then that's great. That's corporate grade. I agree with that. What, what do you keep saying? That's that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard someone say. They should have respected. Oh, so you're saying they should have respected the artist. You're saying intention. that in the movie industry, hey, um, we we want to lose money. So no, we don't want to. No, no, no. no, so no we, I understand. We just call it leasing. So we're going to lose twenty million. But because we just want to, we want to lose twenty million. So that's okay. to Lose twenty million. They should have respected the artist. That's you. 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 Wow. You don't. You're not getting art, art before it's, money. No, it's not. No, it should. You want to get any films? It if that's be, the case. But look, I don't. Look, like, Karen. I get it. I. I. These people are. This is billion dollar business here. I get it. I get it. Why they they, they did it, but I don't agree with why you know what they did. But I, I understand why they did it. They should have just respected Blatty's intentions and also give the audience a bit of fucking credit that they can work out that it's an Exorcist sequel without having it to be like basically put up there, you know, in the title. Um, they they need to give people a bit more credit and not having the brain of an ant. Um, and what do you call it? Yeah, I, I, they should have just went with. This is this is um, Blatty's baby. It, it's his creative work. He created this. It should have been his choice what what this film was called. No, no, completely wrong. No, but hey, you know what? Movies can't. aren't here to make money. Everybody, according to Trevor. No, I agree that they can make money. That they should make money. But first and foremost, must be the creative process. The art. No, the art comes first. You want us it to produce do. your sequel. You want us to produce your film. You want us to give you thirty million. The art. You're calling. You're putting the Exorcist name in it, and they are completely right. They are not right. They're fucking wrong. That movie would have tanked. It's it bloody bombed. Baby. Period. It's bloody baby. So it doesn't matter. It's but they, they were just they didn't give a fuck about the story. Blatty or, had one year, one time directing experience with the bomb, the ninth configuration. Yeah. They weren't going to take a chance on it. Well, they had a completely they right to do because that because this film is a fucking masterclass. Intention. It is a great film. Hmm. It is, and now it is called Legion. Uh, and rightly so. The, the point is, and no, initially they had completely right to say that. No, I, I disagree because oh, the original novel is called Legion. <laughs> Lost the plot. Karen, Karen, what I'm saying is, I get why this decision was made, but I am in the bloody camp. Bloody want to call it um, Legion? Then fair enough. Trust them. Trust them. Have faith in the director who you've hired um, to basically do an adaptation of his fantastic novel, um, which is also called Legion. Have faith. Uh, yeah. Audiences aren't fucking complete morons. They don't have. Yeah. Um, a, a, a brain of, of a fucking I don't know a fucking ladybird an ant um, give people a bit of credit they'll fucking you know have faith or, um, basically studios and these studio executives they have a creative bone in their body they're they're fucking they're, they're dumb fucks they're stupid bastards as well they fucked up this film this is um, as great as it is and I love it I've always loved it it could have been almost near perfect if they hadn't got their taken their mucky paws off it uh, and and uh, and left it a fu- left left bloody the fuck alone you said they destroyed this film was a pee blah blah but yet you you liked it when you first saw it yes absolutely but I, so they didn't destroy it they they if they had have left it alone completely it would have been one of the greatest films ever made no oh, that's being I, silly I, I, that's just being silly I would call the theatrical the theatrical the theatrical cut a flawed masterpiece. Oh, that's but it that's could have been a complete it. masterpiece if they had have just left Laddie the fuck alone. I, I, you're, 
No, no, no. <laughs> All right, <laughs> whatever. Delusional, but that's whatever. No, no I, I jacket up snow. Most of, no, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with. But at some point, when you have a when you have pretty much a rookie director at the helm, you got to be careful. He wasn't a rookie. And, and and marketing and marketing is a big selling point of films. It's I understand actually, why sometimes they did more it. and more expensive than the film itself. I understand why they did it, but they were wrong. Um, no, I I'm okay with the Exorcist name. Well, it should have been just called Legion. But anyway. well, they, they should call it Exorcist Trevor's Stupid. <laughs> well, there we are. We're done fighting. Um, Let's hear your wow. thoughts. Listeners, please. Listen, my final, I'm going to give you my final thoughts on this one. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to give you my final thoughts on the director's cut. Uh, the only thing I'm going to tell you is, is if it did not involve this stupid ending with the exorcist that's cool with me i would agree with that 100 mm-hmm. percent um so however with that with that being points. said you. with what you i i can't hear you because i'm talking right now <laughs> i'm here but i can't because i'm trying to tell the listening audience my my point of view go ahead oh my <laughs> god you're worse than a pazuzu in the gemini man rolled into one i possessed <laughs> yeah you are possessed with stupidness <laughs> so i am stuck to my gums go ahead yeah, so they should have got rid of that because Nicole Williamson just felt peppered in. Um, and if I can feel that, that's definitely something that was added. Um, that's a studio issue. Um, with that being said, though, the chemistry, the casting, the intense, there's some great intense moments. Mm-hmm. And and most of it's just dialogue. You know, we talked about Tarantino, how he can just have intensity with just great words. Mm-hmm. Well, we get it with William Peter Blatty's uh, conversations between Kinderman and between the Gemini man, it's mm-hmm. so intense. Uh, the scene where he's got to rush home to get to his wife and kid. The nurse sequence is fucking flawless. George Scott is fucking brilliant. Yeah, all the actors are, are brilliant in it. Uh, Ed Flanders and George C. Scott, um, uh, all of them are. It's just, 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 just a good Dorf. fun in its own right. Extra slash who done it. Mm-hmm. And just good, good time, good time, and uh, guys. I'm sure anyone's listening to this podcast. I've seen it, and it will agree, will agree. I can't see anybody disagreeing, especially if you're a horror fan, and especially if you've seen Exorcist Two, you would get a pleasant surprise because it's not that shit guaranteed. Can I just add add a little thing on as well? Do you, do you know that they actually the changing of the um, name from Legion to Exorcist Three actually inadvertently inadvertently damaged this film because of how bad Exorcist 2 was that's why um, this film didn't do as well it actually ironically adding the Exorcist name onto it because of Exorcist 2 being so bad um, it actually damaged this film no, I don't think it did I at all I mean, the movie made the movie made money mm-hmm. I don't I think you would damage it more without having the Exorcist mm-hmm. label well, they could have tweaked it a bit like Exorcist Legion get rid of the three part yes right, but I could level that Something like that. Yeah, I know? can live with that. I, I, I'll give you that. I, I'm, I'm not going to argue that one, but you're still a stupid head. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I love this film. It's one of my all-time favorite films and horror films. Um, I think it is... Um, yes, there are issues with studio interference, obviously, with the theatrical cut. I think, um, however, um, all of that aside, it is still um, what I would describe as a flawed masterpiece. And there ha- there's some truly iconic horror scenes, terrifying stuff, really gets onto your skin. And um, for those listening to the podcast, I would also recommend checking out the director's cut of the original novel, Legion. 
Um, there you go. That was William Peter Blatty's publicist. And <laughs> so thank you for joining us today, uh, Mr. Publicist. <laughs> All right, guys, that's a wrap on this one. Uh, this one went a little longer than usual, uh, but that's okay. It's all about good conversation and good yeah. yelling. Yeah. That's the important thing. Yeah. Because in good filmmaking, you don't need marketing. Just have a picture of sand for two hours and just call it art. And damn it, that studio better back that up. If they had a had a backwards talking dancing dwarf, then they really would have nailed it. Yeah, you exactly. If fucking if they fucking put in a, a leprechaun mm-hmm. dancing on the ceiling with the old woman, you would have went, "Oh my god, <laughs> I get this now." <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Um, that's a wrap on this one. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can certainly follow us in Citizen Frame underscore podcast on Instagram and, of course, Facebook. Uh, all right. Join us next time as we talk The Descent. Woo! And not that really bad Luke Perry one that came out like years ago. <laughs> or like that sci fi movie, The Descent, yeah. I think it was called, or something like that. When they had, it was kind of a copy of The Core mm-hmm. movie, The Core that came out. Remember yeah, that? I remember no. The Core. Yeah. Thank God. All right. Somewhere on DVD. Well, the good news is we're not talking about those. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> Have a good one. I don't know why I'm laughing. And we're going to end it now. Take care. Bye.